man walks down the street in that hat, people know he's not afraid of anything. Damn straight. Hi there, and welcome to Baseball by Design. I'm SportsLogos.net minor league baseball correspondent Paul Caputo, broadcasting live, as always, from the Helmet Sunday Hall of Fame in my basement in Fort Collins, Colorado. Today, we're going to talk about the Columbia Fireflies, single-A affiliate of the Kansas City Royals, who play in the Carolina League. They are in Columbia, South Carolina, of course. We're going to talk later on in this episode with Tiffany Chen and Rick Daniel from the design firm Sky Design Atlanta. It's the first time I'll have had a Sky Design Atlanta on, so I'm thrilled to be talking with them. And of course, because this logo involves the animal kingdom, we'll be bringing back Baseball by Design's wildlife correspondent, Ranger Amy Burnett, to talk about the synchronous fireflies, who are just such a cool species. Right now, I'm very happy to be joined by John Kosis, who is the Broadcasting and Media Relations Manager for the Fireflies. John, thank you so much for hopping on and talking about the Fireflies logo and nickname. No, Paul, thanks for having me. You got a great podcast and Sports Logos is a great website. Uh, thanks for that. I appreciate that. So I want to, you know, I want to, I want to delve right into controversy. I'm just delving right into the the controversy here over over this nickname. I see from from your website that you're from Cleveland, and mm-hmm. I'm from the Philadelphia area. You and I are both from parts of the country. I love language regionalisms, right? Like I love, you know, hoagie versus sub, bubbler versus water fountain. You and I grew up in lightning bug country. South Carolina is lightning bug country. Why are the Columbia Fireflies the Columbia Fireflies and not the Columbia Lightning Bugs? I was actually just going to bring that up, that South Carolina is, in fact, lightning bug country. Uh, You know, I think it ultimately comes down to Columbia, South Carolina. The Soda City is known as famously hot. Okay. uh, And hot and fire correlate very well together. And then I think the other aspect is that you know, lightning bug itself doesn't sound quite as intimidating or fierce <laughs> or fun as, as fireflies. That's fair. I remember a lot of summer evenings, you know, playing wiffle ball into the uh, into the dusk hours out in right field, you know, catching lightning bugs. And I always said lightning bugs. And then but then I didn't think twice about it when I saw that they were the, the Columbia fireflies. You've, you've been with the team, you know, for a relatively short amount of time. I'm sure that you are firmly entrenched in the in the lore of the nickname, though. So can you tell me, it's it's a, such a fascinating story about where this nickname comes from. Can you can you tell me where the nickname Fireflies, you know, why the nickname Fireflies is appropriate to Columbia, South Carolina? Yeah, absolutely. So what's cool is I actually was in this league for a couple of years before I became involved with the Fireflies. So I was in West Virginia with the power before they went indie ball and then Hagerstown with the Suns before they folded uh, before coming here to Columbia. So I've always thought the nickname was pretty cool. And uh, Kevin Fitzgerald taught me on my first road trip to Columbia about the synchronous fireflies that are at Congaree National Forest. And I remember when he was telling me about it, I was imagining that this was this this forest that was so far away or something. But now that I live here in Columbia, I can tell you Congaree National Forest is a swamp that's maybe 10 miles away. Yeah. And for about a month a year in May, uh, these fireflies go through their mating ritual, which involves all of them blinking at the same time. And this year, our front office staff actually got an invite to go to one of the, uh, they have like a lottery system because there are only three places in the entire world where this occurs. Uh, in the United States, it's here and the Smokies 
and then there's another spot over in Western Asia. I can tell you, John, it's in Malaysia. And I know this because I've been there. I was actually in Malaysia in 2011, and I had never heard of synchronous fireflies. And we're going to talk later in this episode with Ranger Amy Burnett, the baseball by design wildlife consultant. So we'll get into the nitty gritty of, of synchronous fireflies. But it was I, I was in Malaysia and the, the, the group I was with, they were like, oh, we're going to take you to this really cool place. And sure enough, it was one of the three places in the world. So I so I went to the other side of the world to see them, little knowing that they were right here in, in the southeastern United States. So anyway, I'm sorry. Oh, no, no, no. That's that's awesome that you've been able to see it because now you'll be able to relate when I say that we, we got to go there. And I remember think, not knowing what to expect. You know, I've seen pictures, but pictures don't really do it justice of how literally it's all dark around you. And then you see all these little neon bursts of color uh, coming through. And it, it happens a month a year. It's super sought after. People travel from all corners of the country. I remember in our group alone, when we were chatting with people near us and stuff, they were saying, oh, I'm from Washington, I'm from Alaska, I'm from you know New York. So people truthfully travel for this lottery system. And, and we were fortunate enough to get to, to see this really cool event. So yeah, so like you say, it's, it's lightning bugs. I'm calling, I'm sorry, I'm calling them lightning bugs, John. You know, it's, uh, it, it is a habit. It's, it's my, it's my, it's my regionalism. It's why I call it soda instead of pop, right? Or uh, are you in Coke country? Is South Carolina Coke country? Is everything Coke there? Or is it? Uh... I have heard it from a couple of older people. Like I okay. was at a Waffle House a couple months ago and <laughs> uh, they were like, oh, would you like a, a Coke? And then I was like, oh, no, thanks. I'll have a Sprite. And they were like, Oh, a Coke. <laughs> yeah, like, right. All right. <laughs> but but anyway, yeah, this this incredible natural phenomenon of these these fireflies. Yeah. And their name, their common name is the synchronous firefly. So I've never heard synchronous lightning bug, right? So but yeah. you're, you know, for us, we were on this like funny little raft and we're going down this this very small river, and you're just surrounded on both sides by lightning bugs blinking in unison. Like it's incredible. I mean, it was in, in, incredible. And, you know, like I said, I had no idea that it existed here in the United States until I, I saw it over there in Malaysia. And then of course, not too long afterwards, when the Columbia Fireflies announced their name, and I went and researched how come they were called this. Yeah, it was incredible to learn that this is right here. So definitely, you know, gosh, if you get a chance to see it, you definitely should, because it's an amazing natural phenomenon that people don't, I think, really talk about or know about that much. Is it a nickname that you have to explain? I think it's really easy just to associate fireflies, lightning bugs with summer evenings in baseball and, you know, especially in the South, right? Like it's just sort of, it has a sort of summary feeling about it. And I think this specific connection to Congaree National Forest is probably, you know, lesser known when people see it. I think people look at it and think they they think, oh, I get it without realizing that there's more this more specific connection. Is that something that you find yourself explaining to people or that people are curious about once they learn about it? I think locally, it's not something that needs to be explained. I think locally, everyone kind of understands the attraction. And I would even venture to say as far as local branching out to South Carolina, Charlotte, uh, so like the entire state really gets it. It's when we'll have like a visiting broadcaster come in from, you know, let's say Fredericksburg, Virginia, mm -hmm. uh, for example, and then they'll ask, oh, so why fireflies? Or uh, when we have people who are, are, you know, coming in from the West or something like that to see a game, like uh, let's take two podcast was out uh, not too long ago. You know, they're, they're based out of Texas. So we, we explained that a little bit to them, but 
Um, I think locally it's understood. So most of our fan base gets it without having to kind of walk through it, but we do lean into it very heavily. Our, our team store is called the Mason jar. Uh, our hats glow in the dark. Um, we have a, a bunch of just little things that are definitely salutes to fireflies, lightning bugs in some regions. So I actually, I heard that episode of let's get to James Christopher is a friend. So it was, it was, I was jealous that he actually got to be there for a game. One of the funny things about this nickname that that I've always enjoyed was the the fact that it went from one bug identity to another bug identity. The uh, Savannah Sand Nats were named for this like horrendous like needle face biting insect, like this invisible insect that makes your life miserable in certain months in Savannah, Georgia. They moved to Columbia, South Carolina, and they're named for a different bug. This you know much more pleasing bug that doesn't cause anybody any like searing pain uh and is actually like this cool sort of visual phenomenon so the the fact that this franchise you know went from one bug to another bug has always been something sort of funny about it is that you know is that does that ever come up is that something that the the franchise talks about the it's buggy history so it's it's something that people bring up but it's actually funny because it's not it's not related they didn't do it intentionally uh there was a vote there were five different names i remember uh one was the reapers there was one that was the grits um there was something involving cotton because it was a local industry, but that got voted out pretty quickly. So there were like five different names that were, were pre-approved kind of by local media and some other things. Uh, and Fireflies was one of those names. It went to a popularity contest with a local paper to narrow it down a little bit. And then ultimately, after looking at all the branding and stuff, they said, you know what, Fireflies is definitely the clear-cut, uh, clear-cut winner. Yeah, it was well received. I remember, I remember, and you obviously were were in baseball at the time, so I'm sure you know too. It was really well received when it was first unveiled. Like it's a sharp looking logo. It's it's not wacky, right? Like it's not one of these you know over the top sort of outrageous ones. Which I like those too, right? Like I love all minor league baseball logos, but it's it's a sort of even though it glows in the dark it's fairly understated in terms of its design, right? Like there isn't like a wacky firefly character grimacing and you know menacing someone with a fist or something like that right like so the identity visually is kind of is kind of conservative i did want to talk about this glowing in the dark though because there's that's not common it's you're not unique in that respect but it is you know pretty uncommon we had the casper ghosts who uh, i think were the first to glow in the dark and then you have the Asheville tourists who have sort of that moon themed identity they glow in the dark as well but it was a big deal when this brand was announced that it was one of the the teams that has glow in the dark hats. I remember that the you know the the ballpark itself is too bright to actually see the glowing in the dark. But you know in in the actual dark the 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 you know the hats and and some of the shirts and whatnot actually glow in the dark. How how big a deal is that to the team having a, a you know one of the very few logos out there that glows in the dark? Well, I think it's all about branding and you know our hashtag on, on social media is Let's Glow. Uh, and I think we we lean very heavily into, you know, the whole bioluminescence thing. So I, I think that it's really important that our hats glow in the dark. It's something that's unique. And I'll be honest with you, I can't tell you how many people reach out to me about the Casper Ghosts. Um, <laughs> I, I actually, I love that brand. That's yeah. one of the retired brands that I think would be incredible to come back in some type of fashion. Uh, should Casper ever get a team back or anything like that, even if it's in summer league ball. Um, but a lot of people ask if that was part of the inspiration for us glowing in the dark and things like that. Um, from what I understand, it was not. 
I think it was truthfully, hey, fireflies glow. Uh, we have neon designs and stuff like that. Let's make those neon designs glow. Um, sure. And one extra tidbit that I'll give you is that there's actually only one neon that we can use anymore, and it's from Nike. Um, oh. So there, there's it's actually very difficult to find neon threads for entire polos. And today I'm wearing the powder blue, but we have neon polos that we can wear from time to time, and those are actually very hard to come by. I believe that. That I mean, it makes. I was going to ask you about the you know, embroidering a glow in the dark logo can't be a can't be a, a simple thing. Hear me out on the Casper Ghosts here. That franchise moved to Grand Junction, Colorado, so like five hours west of me here in Fort Collins, and they are the Grand Junction Rockies right now. Still, I think owned by the Rockies, but no longer affiliated with them because the Pioneer League is now an MLB Partner League, and they're all unaffiliated teams. What if the Grand Junction, I mean, listen, alliteration has been enough of a reason for teams to have nicknames. What if Grand Junction reprised that old Casper Ghosts brand and they were just the, the Grand Junction Ghosts? That'd be pretty cool. And, and I himself. think there's enough of a crowd over there in Grand Junction in Colorado, uh, particularly even touristy people in the summer, you're going to visit the mountains or whatever, where right. you would, you would want to see that logo. Right, exactly. There's nothing about the, Grand Junction Rockies that is like drawing me to go out there and, and see a game. Of course, I did see a game because I'm obsessive about, you know, my life list of baseball stadiums. So the logo set itself has, you know, and obviously it has the firefly, you know, and it, and, and it has various permutations of, of type and sort of swooping and evening scenes. But the slogan for the city at the time that the brand was created was famously hot, which you, you know, what you referenced. And so, so flames obviously are part of this as well and so uh one of the one of the marks that i really like is the uh, it's just a pair of flames that if you look at them closely look like either a cf or an ff right like cf for columbia fireflies or ff for fireflies can you confirm which one of those is it is it cf or ff it is cf it's columbia fireflies and what's really cool is the mason jar logo actually yeah. has the cf in the background more subtly mm -hmm. uh, and the mason jar logo is our most popular hat selling logo uh, so when people buy hats yes they'll buy the bug hat but the the mason jar hat that glows in the dark i think it's just got more like area to glow in the dark and then it's just a little bit more conservative than having that bug logo and people mm -hmm. really flock to it around here yeah, that's the the mason jar is definitely a fun one. And it's, you know, it's it's funny to me, because that is a total callback to my my childhood, right? Like, we'd be in the creek trying to catch minnows and salamanders during the day. And then, you know, and then we were playing wiffle ball or nerf football or whatever. And then we would try to catch fireflies, and we'd put them in a mason jar for a little bit just to hang out and watch them. So the the mason jar idea is is very clever. So I wanted to ask you as well about the Copa de la Diversión brand that you have, the Copa de la Diversión, of course, being the Spanish language brands that many of the 120 affiliated minor league teams have have adopted. You all have a a, a Copa brand, the Chicharrones, which is basically a, a pig, but a pig according to the the diagram that a butcher might use in order to divvy it up. Uh, as it were, what's what's the significance of the Chicharrones uh, de Colombia? Uh, Actually, a, a really cool story of how it came to be. I'll, I'll first explain what Chicharrones are specifically. Um, we would know it better as a pork rind, mm -hmm. but there are, are multiple types of Chicharrones dishes. That's basically just the 
the stomach of the pork, the pork belly. Um, but it's very popular in Honduras, in the Dominican Republic. I know there's a Venezuelan guy, Emilio Marquez, who was on our team last year. Um, and he actually made chicharrones like in a traditional dish for a lot of the players who had never had it before Copa night. Uh, so it's a really big staple of Latin cuisine. Okay. Uh, and the way we kind of got to it was our, our team president and our vice president at the time uh, went forward and talked with like 11 or 12 Latin groups in Colombia. And they said, Hey, what do you guys think draws you guys together? Like what's important in your culture? And all of them said big family gatherings. So we said, okay, well, what's important to big family gatherings? And it didn't matter if you're from the Dominican, if you're from Colombia, if you're from Venezuela, like any, any Latin country, all of them said, well, food is really important. We, when we do food, we do it up big. Uh, so then we started looking up different dishes that were popular. And you know you could have gone for something uber specific, um, or you could have gone for something that that kind of hit the broader America uh, Americana of mm -hmm. it. And, you know, like we could have done the burritos or something. But uh, when we looked at authentic Latin cuisine, chicharrones was really important. Uh, so it was 2017 or 2018, and we decided, okay, now how do we make chicharrones fun? Because it's hard to brand a pork rind, basically. <laughs> uh, so we came up with the red pig. Yeah. that you see and we, we keep we keep the neon colors you know you've got that mm -hmm. uh, that greenish brim of the cap that's pretty popular yeah uh, last year we unveiled black uniforms for chicharrones night i thought those were really cool um i believe we're gonna wear them next year as well but i, I haven't confirmed that for sure i just know that we wore them this year and we auctioned off a handful of them to some fans but uh, i think chicharrones is a really great brand and it's actually gotten some traction in the sense that a pork rind company based out of Latin, um, Lima, Ohio. So we're talking, what, 600, 700 miles away from us. Yeah. Uh, Southern small batch recipes, pork rinds reached out to us and they said, hey, we see that you guys are doing this like chicharrones thing. We understand that's pork belly. It basically means it's pork rinds. We'd love to partner with you guys on that. So now, <laughs> like, our Copa identity is sponsored. Whenever we have Copa Weekend, it's brought to you by Southern Small Bash Recipes. So um, it, it makes you feel good when not only does it have a local impact, right? You know, you can come out to a Copa night, and our, our crowd looks a little bit different than it does on an average night, and you, you've got a lot more people from, from Latin background coming to the ballpark. But then when you have someone coming from central Ohio saying, hey, uh, we kind of we kind of like this branding and yeah. want to be a part of it. You know, that makes you feel good about what you decided to go with and the impact that it can have. So that's 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 a great story. I really like that. And I may, you know, I, I don't eat a lot of pork rinds in my life, but I may have to to look this company up and see if I can't get some pork rinds with that brand on it because that's really fun. And I love that you guys put the the chicharrones on a helmet Sunday because not every team does their Copa brand on the helmet Sunday. And so that is a a, a great addition to my uh, my collection out there is the the fireflies chicharrones helmet sunday so john this has been a ton of fun thank you so much for coming on and talking about the fireflies and the chicharrones where can people i know people can find the, the fireflies pretty easily on social media where can people find you on social media yeah i'm at jkocsis8 on twitter and instagram um i'm really only active on twitter <laughs> you know instagram you'll look me up and you'll see 
I've got pictures of, of me camping about three times a year is what I do for that. So uh, yeah, on Twitter, it's at Jake. John, thank you so much. This has been great fun. And I hope to catch a fireflies game in person someday and, you know, enjoy, enjoy one of those helmet Sundays and some glow in the dark caps. I was going to say, it would be awesome to have you out. And we'll be sure to make sure there's a, a dip and dip and that cup waiting for you. <laughs> it's perfect. I appreciate it. Thanks, John. Thanks, Paul. All right, everyone, welcome back. I am so, so pleased to be joined right now for the first time, graphic designer Rick Daniel, who was with Sky Design at the time that the Columbia Fireflies logo was released, and Tiffany Chen, who is the principal of Sky Design. So uh, Rick and Tiffany, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you for having me as well. Uh, Rick, I'll, I'll start with you, if, if you don't mind. This this Columbia Fireflies logo is, is unique, First of all, glows in the dark, you know, sort of a uh, it's a fun, different look for minor league baseball. It doesn't go down that sort of wacky path that we see with a lot of minor league baseball branding right now. What were some yeah. of the considerations that you had uh, approaching this project? Uh, you, you hit it right on the head. Um, we wanted to initially it actually kind of started going down the road of kind of character, a character of a firefly. But just through our development. Um, our long development, we kind of came to this place where it's like, why don't we create something that was more symmetrical, more kind of iconish, um, which was the difference from what you know was seen throughout minor league baseball. Absolutely. Are you? I have to. I have to ask. You said you're in Atlanta right now. Are you in Firefly Country or Lightning Bug Country? <laughs> I'm in um, Lightning Bug Country. That's how when we came up it was Lightning Bug. That was that was for me in Philadelphia, <laughs> lightning bug country for for sure. In terms of creating a glow in the dark logo, there had really only been in minor league baseball at this point the Casper Ghosts. So what were the what were the challenges in working with in a you know a logo scenario? What were the challenges working with this sort of glow in the dark uh, aspect of it? And how important was that to it? How big a part of this identity was that to you while you were creating it? Well, um, like I said, I. I I'm a part of the team um, um, when we came up with this. So the idea was put out there as far as just having, having you know, it kind of glow in the dark. Uh, that, mm -hmm. was, that was the unique part about it. You could have it in the stadium and turn down the lights and people have their paraphernalia on and it, and it glows amongst the, amongst the crowds, almost like a, you know, people had their lighters out. So um, it was something that was kind of new to me in terms of like having, you know, this piece of apparel uh, 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 that kind of glow in the dark, but it just fit right in to you know what we're trying to sell um, as far as uh, it being it's, this firefly feeling. Like like you said, like you know people coming up in summer in the, in the south and seeing fireflies, like a feel of firefly. So that was kind of the, uh, the idea behind it. And sure. I'll also say that one of the things too to note is that at the time that um, we were concepting what this could be we were also looking at other team names. So our task was to consider what each name meant and what the connotations could be. How could it be marketed? How could it be experienced as a fan? So at the time that we were considering a firefly of kind, we were also thinking of what other names are fireflies. Like you said, lightning bug. Uh, we had moon bugs. I think moon we had bugs, a couple yeah. other, um, you know, sillier fan embracing iterations of it and as well as other names and marks that um were potentially still on the on the on the board so the appeal of the glow in the dark was something that 
was very endearing to so many of us because of the South and because it's such a, you know, lovely experience to no matter what, if it's the first time or the 200th time to to see those bugs in the dark. So, well, you talked about some of the other names that were were mentioned as possibilities, or at least the process of coming up with the name. This was a, a franchise that moved from Savannah. They were the Sand Nats, which was, you know, fun, but uniquely terrible in its own fun way, I think. What was the community reaction? And Tiffany, I'll uh, direct this to you. What was the community reaction when you unveiled the name and then the logos? You know, um, if there's anything I think we both learned with with uh, naming in general is that there's generally, if you've done a good job, the majority of the public embrace it and um, begin to just simply have excitement towards it. You know, there's always the occasional uh, keyboard warrior that has an opinion, um, but for the most part, you know, there there was a, a very positive reaction to something that, while I'm very familiar, hadn't been capitalized upon before, and and it felt authentic. Sure, um, a lot of times when I do these these conversations with graphic designers, they are firms that really specialize specifically in in minor league baseball, and uh, I know that Sky Design. Uh, does not necessarily specific, uh, specifically focus on minor league baseball. How how does the fact of this being a minor league baseball team change the process of creating this? So what's different about creating a logo for a minor league baseball team than for any other of your clients? How I looked at it is, you know, uh, I've been in design for a long time. So uh, it was just kind of just, for me at least, uh, in thinking about it, it's just another design problem just to uh, to look at it, see what's ahead of us, what we're trying to do, message we're trying to get across and just adapt to it. Um, I think uh, I think we were kind of unique in that sense where we have you know, design firms who do that all the time. They kind of just think in that way. Um, and we kind of think in other ways, we think, uh, we think broader at, at times. So to just adapt to doing something for a baseball team was just kind of like, okay, well, we'll just, we're doing this and here's what's involved in doing this. And I, I would I would agree with that. You know, I think that there's a lot of companies out there today and um, have had a, a lot of history in creating minor league brands and, and marks and um, submarks, and they've been quite successful. And um, you can see that there is a um, occasionally a tendency to create marks that feel like other marks or that have a certain stylistic repetition. And I think what Sky does is we're able to treat our more athletic focused clients, their brands as a singular approach and with a singular approach and as a singular uh, effort. And our solutions aren't influenced by perhaps styles or, or processes that have worked before, we're simply approaching it as a, from a design perspective of arriving at a solution that feels absolutely custom to the client's vision and to the client's brand. And so we just bring that from other markets and create it with our passion. I will say all of us that have worked on these projects have a really strong passion for sports and teams. And um, I feel that that shows through our solutions, but also our designs are simply one-offs for each project. And, you know, you you referenced the sort of trends in minor league baseball right now and the sort of aesthetic that seems to be pervading the minors and and people like it. You know, I mean, I 
I enjoy it. I love the work that that I'm seeing out there. One of the things that you're seeing is is kind of almost like the imitators, right? Like there's some mm-hmm. some folks who are sort of recognizing that that style that exists now, and they're trying to sort of emulate it. And you know, and and some of them do better than others at it. I think one of the things that makes this brand stand out is that it certainly did not follow those those trends. And we talked about that at the beginning. I have to know whose idea was the mason jar logo. <laughs> Uh, uh yeah that was yeah yeah kind of me yeah it was part of a team but yeah that was that was me it was just that just kind of conjured up so much as far as just uh how fireflies are captured and you know uniqueness of that as a kid so yeah between me and the, the creative director of creature at the time yeah that was something we, we came up with all right. You're being very humble about it, I think, uh, Rick. That's, uh, I, I ask about that one in particular because I know that that one has been very popular. Like that one, yeah. that one I think has really caught caught people's eyes. Certainly conjures oh, wow. up a certain amount of nostalgia uh, for, for me, right? Like, I mean, I remember I was not the best little league player in the world. I was out there in right field trying to track down the lightning bugs while I was, uh, you know, playing, playing right field, kicking the dandelions. <laughs> <laughs> that sort of thing. Tiffany, are you, I know that Sky Design is, is bi-coastal. Are you in California or are you in Atlanta? So I'm in Atlanta. Uh, okay. We are bi-coastal and uh, I grew up in um, Louisiana. So oh. we did, we certainly had fireflies, but by no means have we had as many as we do here in Georgia. And um, the mason jar thing is it, it hit the nose on, on the essence we were trying to convey. Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. Have you all been to the Congaree National Park where they actually have the synchronous fireflies there? No, I haven't. I was, I, I was, I've read about it. <laughs> I have not been there, unfortunately. I was hoping that that was going to be part of like the creative process that the team like brought you all out to the park and, and made you watch the synchronous fireflies. <laughs> I love, I love the idea. Cool. I mean, maybe Rick and yeah. I can have a, you know, OG reunion and, and <laughs> go take a trip. <laughs> Beer the fireflies. Uh, that sounds cool. <laughs> uh, well, I want to be respectful of your time here. So first of all, I'll say, Thank you so much for joining me. Uh, this has been a lot of fun to talk about this brand and the work that that went into it. Rick, where can people find you uh, on, on social media or online? Uh, you can find me at uh, my small studio at uh, RDDS Creative Test Lab. Um, I believe my Instagram is Creative Creative Test Lab. Yes. Okay. Tiffany, where can people find Sky Design on uh, online or on social media? Thanks, Paul. They can find us at skydesigngraphics.com. Awesome. And we are, we are on Instagram and that that's on our on our website as well. Fantastic. Well, this has been a total pleasure. Rick, Tiffany, thank you so much. Rick, I hope to speak to you again soon about another project. Tiffany, I know that you and I are going to be talking about the Fort Wayne tin caps in an upcoming episode. This has been a ton of fun. Thanks so much. Thanks, Paul. Take care. Thanks, man. All right, everyone. Welcome back. I'm super pleased to welcome back to the podcast for the third time. Baseball by Design's own Jack Hanna, our wildlife consultant, Ranger Amy Burnett. Ranger Amy, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you tonight? I'm doing really well. I'm very glad that we have you standing by on retainer so that we can we can bring you in whenever there's a, a wildlife-based nickname out there in the minor league baseball logo world that you can come advise us on on some of the the finer details, some of the the wildlife expertise that we need to better understand these these logos and these brands. So I'm very glad that you're here. We're talking this week about the synchronous fireflies that exist at Congaree National Park, right near where the Columbia Fireflies play. 
So I, you know, we're, I'm just going to jump in with, with two feet here. Can yes, you tell this us? This is important stuff. Important it, stuff Paul. it is. People need to know, right? I know that you're a long time listener to the podcast. And so I know that, you know, the premise that this whole podcast was founded on, which is that you can understand the world we live in by understanding where minor league baseball logos and nicknames came from. And so one very important aspect of that heritage is our natural heritage. And that relates specifically to your area of expertise, which is wildlife, the animal kingdom. So yeah, so we're, we're talking about synchronous fireflies, such a cool phenomenon. I talked earlier on this podcast, they, cool. they exist in three different places in the whole world. Two of them are in the United States. And the third one is one that I've actually been to in Malaysia. I got to go see synchronous fireflies in Malaysia and it was incredible. It was an incredible phenomenon. I never thought I'd see anything like it. It was like, it was like living Christmas lights. So that must've been amazing. I want to see that. It was super, well, we have to go to a fireflies game and okay. then go to Congaree National Park and visit some synchronous fireflies. Yeah. So, but for, you know, I we mean, have to go in the summertime. We do between May and June. Yes. All right. Did so, you know that in the Southeast Asia, they actually blink year round? No, I didn't you know, know that. Yeah. Do you know why? No, it sounds exhausting though. Because <laughs> the reason um, they blink year round in Asia and not in the States is because they mate year round in those places. Those dirty, so... dirty Malaysian fireflies. <laughs> so apparently they have more energy than the ones in the, uh, the US, right? But I just thought it was funny. It's like, you know, only in places where they mate year round do they light up year round. So it's just like a male to only put out a show when it's when there's something that they can get out of it. Well, okay, so let's let's talk about this. <laughs> this this you might want to edit that part out. <laughs> uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, you know. So synchronous fireflies are this incredible natural phenomenon. First of all, just for the for you know we've touched on it a little bit in in this in, in this episode so far, but can you talk about you know just sort of what the heck they are and why they do what they do? So synchronous fireflies are the ones that actually get in sync with each other as they light up the night. And it takes a little while for them to do that. So it's not just an automatic, but once they do, they're actually flashing at the same time, which just makes for an incredible show. It's just, uh, it's pretty incredible, I imagine, to watch. Sounds like you've got some wildlife yourself in the background over there. I know that that <laughs> is your your foster dog, the famous <laughs> Chase Pupley. Chase Pupley, you are the dog. <laughs> oh, that's right. Chase Doggy Effie champion. <laughs> He is uh, he is the champion for sure. Yeah, He's absolutely. Awesome. <laughs> so synchronous fireflies take a little while to ramp up to to start working together and to start blinking in unison. It doesn't happen immediately, like you say. So that to me sounds a little bit like you know like like spring training right there. That's the that's yeah. the team trying to all get on the same page and they're trying to you know get ready for the season. And then you know like we said in the United States, May and June is when the fireflies really start getting going as as a team and blinking in unison so i'm thinking there's a you know there's a lot of analogies that you could make here to 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 baseball teams and to to teamwork are there are there ways in your mind as a, as a naturalist and a baseball fan that that you can meld these worlds here and talk about what is it about synchronous fireflies that represent a baseball team so well that's a good question because i think that just like the fireflies, a team has to work together in sync and they have to have a lot of practice together in order to do the dance. So as in a rundown. So when a team, when players are in the middle of a rundown, they have to know exactly where they're supposed to go. 
and they have to one has to take the other one's place and they have to know exactly what the other one is almost they have to almost have the same mind like i'm going to go here and you're going to go there um and it's almost like a, a beautiful dance in a way and yeah. they're each reacting but also anticipating the other one's reaction so it's a lot like synchronous fireflies see this is very cool so the idea of like a baseball team executing a rundown that goes more than like one or two throws that, that to me, first of all, is like my favorite play in all of baseball, like a botched rundown where, you know, they don't get the tag applied right away. And then all of a sudden you've got, you know, you've got the center fielder covering third base. The first, the, the, the catcher has run out to, to first base and they're all in a line. And it's just this, I don't know. It's like this hilarious, like, rodeo show out there with all these that players like, like comedy routine right it's like physical comedy watching it in action yeah. like no right. if they don't get it right but yeah. if they do if they get it right it's a beautiful thing just like the yeah. fireflies you know yeah. it's supposed to work the way it's supposed to work and it's amazing that they know where they're supposed to be and it's amazing that it happens the way it does um more often than not yeah. and it's pretty cool to watch and it's one of those things that i think people don't really appreciate about baseball and uh, the more I find out about baseball, things like rundowns, like, oh, that was supposed to happen. It yeah. wasn't just an accident. They actually practiced that. So Right. Right. Like the center so fielder is covering third base for some reason. They knew what to do. So I guess, so the fireflies have a little bit of practicing too, to yeah. do, and then they get it right. And then they're all flashing and using. So anytime the Columbia fireflies are in the middle of, of a play that involves, you know, teamwork in baseball, they are, they are emulating their namesake the synchronous fireflies at Congaree National Park. Yeah. So you probably didn't know there are 170 different species of fireflies in the U.S. Okay. okay. Um, that's important because all the different species flash different signals. It's like Morse code, what? but they each have their own type of signal. So one, a male will be like too long and then a couple of seconds and then too long or one, and then three seconds and one, another one. And then the females are like, oh, that's the one that I want. And so if it's, they don't understand the signals of the male if they're not on the same species. So that's like a pitcher and a catcher to me, I mm -hmm. think. If you get a catcher and a pitcher from the same team, they can throw signals and they're like, uh, slider, uh, fastball. Okay, got it. And they're doing these signals and the other team doesn't know what their signal is. So if you mix up catcher and pitcher in different teams, it's not gonna work. So same species, same signals, and everything works out and the males are only going to attract the females of the other species. That's pretty, pretty amazing. Cool. First of all, that's amazing. And second of all, that's a great analogy too. There's 170 different species and they all have different. And they all have they different signals that they give out so that they can recognize each other in the night and they can say, okay, that's the guy that I want. Not this guy. He's not on my team. So obviously, you know, as you've been saying this entire podcast, the reason that the blinking happens is for, fireflies, lightning bugs to get together for the perpetuation of the species. Are there other reasons? Might they just be putting on a show for everyone for that, you know, maybe that kid out there playing Little League at nine o'clock at night uh, on an August night? Why catching are they blinking? In, catching them and putting them in a mason jar, right? In a mason jar, just like the logo. <laughs> um, the males blink to attract the females. And that's it. Mm -hmm. um, so it's basically... Um, the, hey, I'm over here. Don't you want me? And then the girls are going to be like, okay. And then they may flash back or they might just sidle up to the mail and then then the magic happens. Okay. We're right on the cusp of, of 
violating the clean rating I have for this <laughs> podcast here. So we should... I am uh, keeping it clean. However, oh, just here we to go. throw a little bit of um, a little bit of a, a minor note, shall we say, into all this. Right. All right. Not all females have good intentions. Oh, well, bum, bum, bum. Yeah. <laughs> you're not supposed to say that. Oh, sorry. <laughs> So there, there's one species of fireflies that they nickname the femme fatale. Nice. And those are the predatory uh, lightning bugs or fireflies. No kidding. So they will actually flash and pretend that they're one species when they're really not. And then when the male shows up and he's like, hey, baby, she's like, well, thank you for the uh, thanks for the dinner. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and, uh, well, yeah, and the dinner. That's it. We have all and been gets- there. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, yeah, she uh, she attracts him, and then he's uh, her dinner. This is the the dark, seedy underbelly of the Columbia Fireflies nickname. <laughs> I think that the 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 trickery, the the femme fatale lightning bug here, there there might be an opportunity for like an alternate logo, <gasps> like the ah oh, yes, that would be perfect, femme fatale alternate right? logo. Yeah, right? I, I mean, that's kind of a deep dive. I'm not sure if people would really get it. They'd They'd probably have to explain it in a podcast or they'd have to listen to your podcast in order to get it. They'd have to do some some education. That would be okay because that's what we're all about here. The 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 evil twin firefly, the murderer yeah. firefly, the, the lightning murderer bug murderer. And they actually uh, call him Femme Fatale. I mean, there's a Latin name, but like that's I like their the colloquial fact. name is the that's Femme Fatale. That's the colloquial name is the Femme Fatale. That's really one. fun. But all the right. rest of the fireflies are really sweet and they drink nectar and pollen and then they die. There's always that one. There's always that one, though. I would like to see the team do an alternate brand one night where they went as the lightning bugs instead of the fireflies. Oh. Because fireflies. You know, they found that uh, one researcher was looking into why some people call them fireflies and some parts of the country call them lightning bugs. And they found that people tended to call them lightning bugs in places where there was more um, lightning. So oh. in places where lightning strikes happen more often, they call them lightning bugs in that part of the world, of the country. Oh, I like that a lot. Isn't that cool? Yeah. I like to spend a lot of my time arguing that my weird regionalisms are the absolutely correct way to speak and everyone else's way of speaking is wrong. So I'm going to stand by lightning bugs as the correct term and fireflies as a cute term that a uh, baseball team used for you know completely made up term that no one else uses, you know, like... <laughs> rumble ponies and sod poodles and sea unicorns that sort of thing all these made up minor league teams fireflies no one's ever said fireflies before mm-hmm. it's completely made up yeah uh, so. yeah i'm gonna i'll have to thumb and wrestle you over that one wildlife consultant amy burnett ranger amy thank you so much for coming on again there's going to be lots more occasions where we're going to ask you to come by and and chat with us about about wildlife based minor league baseball logos thank you that for your time great. again You're so welcome. Just don't ask me about sod poodles. Don't know anything about those.